2: The European Championships with Football Social Daily.
1: 14 goals, two games, two last minute equalisers, two lots of extra time, one penalty shootout, one hell of an evening at Euro 2020. Who says Mondays are boring, eh? A captivating evening of knockout football last night as Croatia played out a dramatic knockdown dragout with Spain. The Spanish were wobbling, but did land the killer blow on Croatia in the end. And if that was the undercard, what about the main event? France versus Switzerland went the distance. Penalties. And it was Alley-La Suisse. Switzerland knocking out the world champions and strong favourites France on spot kicks, capping off one of the wildest nights in Euros history and if you aren't exhausted after last night well strap yourself in because the emotional roller coaster of England versus Germany is upon us this evening just the small matter of a last 16 tie which represents perhaps the biggest opportunity for England in a long long time the French are out the Dutch are out the Portuguese are out can the three lions add Germany to that list and carve a pathway to Euro 2020 success. We'll look ahead to what promises to be a nail-biter at Wembley here on Football Social Daily, keeping your finger on the pulse of this summer's Euros. My name's Niall, and on today's show, I'm in the company of Boyle Sports' Leon Blanche. How's it going, Leon?
0: Oh, it's gone fantastic, Niall. Um, <laughs> fell in love all over again yesterday. Um, football is just beautiful to watch when you've got four teams... Just having a go, playing the game as we all wish it would be played every single time we switch on a TV set. It was just fantastic. Loved every single minute of it yesterday.
1: Yeah, it was spectacular viewing, brilliant entertainment. And we were just talking before we started recording the podcast about how you had one punter at Boyle Sports who just put a small wager on a rather unusual scenario of back in two, three threes. And it came in unbelievable.
0: (laughs) Yeah, look, I mean, 20 cent is all he put on but he got himself just under 2000 euro for it so congratulations to whoever that customer is and it goes to show you sometimes you don't have to bet big just have a little tiny flutter it was probably a little bit of loose change in his pocket (laughs) and he's um he's come up with two grand so well done to him
1: and a bit of guts as well who would have ever predicted two three threes two lots of extra time as well, uh, alongside Leon, we've got Steve McNaughton. How are you feeling, Steve? Yeah, all good. Um, I echo the sentiments of
2: the, you know, two fantastic games last night. Um, one of them i seen the highlights of and, and the second one I watched live. So absolutely thrilling stuff. And how it should be, um, you know, the, the passion, the, the, the ambition, the drive to just go and put the other team out of a competition. Uh, I, fantastic, fantastic football, fantastic
1: refereeing, fantastic mm. everything. Are you looking forward to tonight though? Has that got the nerves jangling a little bit for England against Germany? Uh, not really. Um, you know, my
2: I think my expectations as someone who's. Um, suffered with with well not suffered because i don't i'm not that too fussed anymore but um who's watched england um in various tournaments since my first one which was spain 82 um were you there as
1: well i think were you not there in euro 96 what in 82 no yeah yeah (laughs) not in 82 (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i
2: did i was i was fortunate fortunate enough to see quite um well i think i think all the england games at uh, euro 96 with, with the job that i was in and um yeah, happy days, you know, wonderful times, and um, yeah, you know,
1: let's see what happens tonight. Yeah, the plan today was just to quickly recap the two knockout games last night and then get stuck into England versus Germany. But as a famous former Manchester United manager once said, football, eh? Bloody hell. We'll have to chat about the three lines a little bit later on in the show because first we need to talk about those remarkable last 16 games from Monday. Starting with France 3, Switzerland 3. After extra time, Switzerland win 5-4 on penalties. That's the tale of the tape. But France looked asleep to start with. They conceded to Switzerland. They were 1-0 down at half-time. And Roy Keane said on Punditry, Leon, that they were simply relying on their quality to win the game rather than the effort and work rate that should go with that. Do you think that was a fair assessment from the Irishman?
0: Yeah, I mean, to an extent, maybe there was a little bit of complacency from the French that they never lost to Switzerland. Um, And maybe it was just they felt they had to turn up, but I mean, this Euros, I mean, anything is possible. And France, I mean, it was a very positive substitution at halftime from Deschamps. I think he got the formation wrong, trying to go three at the back. Uh, they looked an awful lot better when they went to their back four at halftime when he brought on Kingsley Coleman. But let's not really paper over the cracks here, because if Switzerland had a scored that penalty... It would have been game, set and match. Um, I could not see the French coming back from 2-0 down, not even the way they were playing, even with Coman on the park, in my own opinion. But they they did very well for, what was it, like 15 minutes after that goal where they stepped it up. They they looked really threatening going forward. Benzema got a couple of goals, then Pogba scored. But you've got to give Switzerland so much credit from being 3-1 down they had a goal ruled out for a marginal offside. And then to come back and get those two goals in the last 10 minutes, I've got to take my hat off to Switzerland. They they were a joy to watch. They they really had a go. The two guys up front, the two strikers, they did the business exceptionally well. And the one thing I will say, which I never thought I would, I was impressed with Jacka last night. He actually, looked, he actually looked like a footballer. Why all these managers, consecutive managers, it must be said, why they've all continued to pick him? Because some of the passes that he was hitting for Sefrovic and Garanovic were just world-class. So congratulations to Switzerland. And now they move on uh, to the quarterfinals. So fair play to them.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about Shacker in a bit because it looks like he's heading off to Roma to link off with Jose Mourinho, which adds another top managerial name to that list you're on about there, Leon. But the huge turning point in the game, Steve, was one that Leon's already touched upon when Ricardo Rodriguez misses that penalty, which would have put Switzerland 2-0 up. It was an excellent save by Hugo Lloris down to his right, big strong right hand. And then four minutes later, France are in front 2-1. It just goes to show how quickly things can change.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I thought it was, you know, to start off, yeah, good save. Poor penalty, if we're going to have it right. I think, you know, Rodriguez, um, you know, you can always tell by a penalty taker when they walk up, can't you? And I know we'll come to it later on, but I felt the same about Mbappe when he was walking up. Um, and they're just not that into it, you know what I mean? And I think it was a mistake, Rodriguez taking the penalty. The cube should have took it all day for me, Um, you know, because I think he would have scored with that sweet left foot that he's got. I'm talking about Shaqiri. That's what uh, Liverpool fans call him, the cube. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, and um, I think you know, I think Shaq, I think Shaqiri scores that goal and uh, and puts um, them two 0 up. But having said that, you know, France go up the other side of the pitch. You know, Benzema gets that that first one, which there's been quite a debate between. On, on the WhatsApp groups that I'm in, whether he meant to do it or whether I said it was a fluke. I thought it was a fluke, Um, you know, but,
1: even if it was a fluke, I thought it was absolutely magnificent that he it pulled it off. brilliant, didn't yeah. it? Even if you think he didn't mean it, it just looked world-class. The way mm-hmm. it just so fell so perfectly into his stride. I mean, yeah. uh, and the finish was accomplished. I mean, even if he doesn't mean the touch, yeah, lifting it over the keeper from close range is, is a good finish. And it just makes you wonder why they haven't picked him for a number of years, France. <sighs> I think, it, I mean, without getting into the... Um the
2: legalities around that um you know and, and and what went on with that i mean it was a very weird situation um all round um i mean like i say if anyone doesn't know what what happened and why, you know, Karim Benzema was out of the France picture for six years. Just Google it, um, and and have a read of what went on. And um, he's come back into the fold. And Karim Benzema scores goals, and he scores big goals as well. And he's made a career out of doing that at Real Madrid. And for him to come on and do that, and again, right place, right time for that header off the shot from Griezmann. Um, you know, two one. He's a world class striker. Um, always has been, and um, you know, obviously coming into the, the you know the the latter years of his career as well, it, it has to be said. Um, but he, the man for the big occasion, and I thought you know f- fantastic. And I, I was even though I wanted a Switzerland victory last night, um, I was like begrudgingly saying you cannot deny that, and I, you know that quality that that has um, come through. And I think it what was it about yeah, like I said, it was a
1: mad four minutes or so, wasn't it? And um, yeah, fair play and i think as well leon is is a good point that steve makes that you know france turned it around in 4 minutes then they went 3-1 up with a ridiculous paul pogba oh. finish as well it's just a gorgeous goal that he scores too but I mean, the way that they just turned it on almost at the flip of a switch, they were just in World Cup champions mode like what we saw in 2018. The way they were zipping the ball around, pinging the ball around. They were a joy to watch for a good 20, 25 minutes at the start of the second half, which basically got them their three goals to put them in front.
0: Absolutely. I mean, as soon as Switzerland missed that penalty, I said to myself, that's it. Switzerland, are out. I really did because I just knew there was going to be a reaction. Now, don't get me wrong, I didn't think the French would score two goals in three minutes. But, yeah, they were passing it. They were pinging it. But Pogba, he's so frustrating. Like, I mean, seriously, Niall. He's just, like, he scores a goal like that. He can hit world-class passes. He can go by players like as if they're not even there. But the theatrics he showed in the lead-up to the Swiss equaliser... Slamming his hand against the ground instead of getting himself up off his backside and chasing them back to try and make a tackle. He would frustrate the living daylights out of me if I was his manager. I can Look, he's got so much talent, but yet he lets himself down. And for me, it's well and good scoring a worldie, but to fall down on the ground without even being touched, trying to get a free kick, there's no need for it. There's just actually no need for it stay on your feet you're six foot plus you're a big lad no one should be able to bundle you over onto the ground it just look it frustrates me and i'm sure it frustrates the french fans as well not alone him i'm not blaming paul pogba on it totally i thought the defending was schoolboy at best they were just so wide open um but maybe we've just got to give credit to switzerland they really really had a go
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was a tale of two central midfielders. Gary Neville said on TV that it was almost the best and the worst of Paul Pogba, the best with the way he was spraying the passes about and scored that brilliant goal, but also the worst in some of the things that Leon was highlighting there. The fact that, you know, for the goal, he was a little bit sloppy and, you know, he was brilliant for most of the game. And talking of that frustration that Leon mentions, some Manchester United fans naturally are going to be frustrated because they don't see that positive side of Paul Pogba as regularly as they might like I think he's had a good season on the whole for Manchester United to be fair but the debate in the TV studio Steve was it's actually harder for Pogba to affect games in a two-man midfield rather than a three-man midfield which gives him a bit more freedom and a bit more license do you think that there is cause for frustration or it's to do with the technical side of the game and systems and all the rest of it I think it's a bit of both, you know. It's difficult for him in a two-man midfield.
2: I think he needs that three-man midfield because he needs what Eric Cantona famously called back in the days "water carriers" around him, um, you know, to help out with the the graft and and you know the spade work that it needs doing um, across the pitch. And I think you know that the issue at Man United is is he doesn't have that around. No, him. and Golo Conte, um, I
1: think, makes a huge difference to the public. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, to be fair, he, he got in Conte's uh, uh, N'Golo um his way for the Swiss uh, first goal last night I thought in midfield cuz he run across him didn't he um so I think tactically there's a bit of a, an issue with Paul as well um but technically uh, unbelievable player um, it, it's all uh, just doesn't imply himself properly and, and he struggles in a two man midfield because he needs people to to do the vast majority of the work for him and you know when he's got Kante with him and, and you know another midfielder whoever the French rotate in it makes a massive difference and he had that at Juventus as well he wasn't having to do all you know all that he's expected to do at Man United. And it's a conundrum for United because obviously the signing Jaden Sancho, I mean, it's probably going to be announced any 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 day now. Whereas for me, you know, another central midfielder is, is is a much higher priority. But that's a different podcast, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well, Pogba was good on the whole, I thought, but so was Shacker for Switzerland. As you already mentioned earlier, Leon, was that the game of his career? Because he just got everything spot on in the middle of the park, it seemed.
0: It's the best game I've ever seen him play. Um, um I mean I'm gonna be honest. I mean like I don't watch Switzerland on a regular basis and um, when they play international football. But I mean I'd see a lot of Arsenal games and for me I I you know like I used to question how on earth is this guy making a living being a professional footballer? Because he didn't seem to have a pass in him. He seemed to always get booked, he seemed to always just hit the wrong pass. And last night he just seemed to have everything. Um, his passing was exceptional, his work rate, his tackling and his organization last night, I actually saw a different side to Xhaka last night. He was the he was the vocal one. He was the one who was kind of barking orders at his teammates and and trying to G them up when they were three one down. So I've got to give credit where credit is due. I thought he was exceptional Um, he really took a hold of that team when they needed someone to stand up and i think i think that's that's the kind of a sign of a player that you want in your ranks it's when the going gets tough you want to see players stand up and be counted and i think he was he was a number of switzerland players who stood up last night but for me i've never seen him play as good i mean some of the passes that he hit the left foot was like a magic wand he was just putting it onto people's toes from any distance it was just it was I mean it was a joy to watch and um, it was like Pogba maybe in the previous game as well um against Portugal where he just seemed to have a telepathic understanding with Mbappe he was finding him all the time Pogba even last night some of his passing was exceptional as well but Shaka stood up to the mark last night so fair play to him because definitely um, he's a leader of this team and you could see that even after the game, a lot of the players going over to him specifically and celebrating with him. So there's no doubt he's a huge influence in that dressing room.
1: Fair play to Switzerland on the whole as well, as you've already said, Leon, because, you know, it was a great goal to make it 3-3. I think the touch out of the feet and the finish whipping it into the far corner past Larice. You know, low down to Larissa's right. I don't think he would have got there even if he would have dived. It was a great goal. I mean, they were dead and buried at 3-1. And then to come back and make it 3-3, absolutely brilliant. They held on throughout extra time as well. Kingsley, Coman hit the bar as well within like sort of five seconds to go or whatever it was. But then we arrive at penalties. And I think, Steve... I don't know whether it's just because I remember the Europa League final where Villarreal and Manchester United went ridiculously far into the shootout with their penalties, but the standard we've seen of spot kicks in shootouts lately, I think has been remarkable. Some brilliant penalties last night as well from both from both Switzerland and France, but it was Kylian Mbappe, the star boy of the French national team, who missed the decisive spot kick. Brilliant save by Jan Sommer, it has to be said. But this is a huge test of Mbappe's character. Definitely. And
2: he's still a really young man, isn't he? I mean, I think... um, Was he like 18 or something when he won the World Cup? 19, something like that. And... um... You know, he is, his time's going to come again and again and again. You know, there's no doubt about that. He, he's a special footballer. And and I think, you know, it's it's just a touch of adversity today. And he'll have a few sleepless nights over it and he'll keep replaying it over in his head and wishing that he'd have done something different because, you know, you, you'd have bet big on Mbappe to score uh, a penalty because he's, he's got such a good shot on him. Um, but, yeah, penalties have been tremendous um, recently. And um, I think teams are, are, are now practicing them a lot more than than they used to do. Um, let's hope England have.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's a great point made on commentary as well by Clive Tilsley last night, who said that goalkeepers have almost had to relearn how to save penalties yeah. with the new ruling that they have to stay on their line until the moment the ball is struck. And, um, it, it, you know, it's an excellent point, especially Goalkeepers that have been in the game for a long time, like someone like Lloris and someone like Sommer, to almost kind of change the technique of saving penalties. You know, it's, it's a difficult thing to do. I think
0: Larice, though, Nile. I think Larice will be disappointed not to have saved one of the one of the Swiss penalties in the shootout. Yeah. Um. I think he's got to save that. I just.
1: It went right through and didn't. Yeah, it, it
0: did. I mean, it looked as it. I mean, I mean, even the one that he saved in normal time, he should be saving that because that was almost like a back pass. There was no power in the one in regular time and in the one in the shootout. He's he he's got to take a bit of responsibility too because there's no doubt everyone's going to focus on Kylian Mbappe. He's missed the penalty when it's 5-4. He's only a young man. But the captain, the goalkeeper, he's got to take a bit of responsibility too. He had to save that penalty.
1: Well, this is what Kylian Mbappe had to say on his Instagram page. Very difficult to turn the page. The sadness is immense after the elimination. We couldn't reach our goal. I'm sorry for that penalty. I tried to help the team, but I failed. Sleeping will be hard tonight, but unfortunately it's the ups and downs of the sport that I love so much. I know the fans are disappointed, but I still want to thank you for your support. Congratulations and good luck to Switzerland. So, I mean, he's a he's a character, Leon, isn't he, Kylian Mbappe? Someone with so much potential, as Steve's mentioned. And he's already said, you know, he's a World Cup winner at 19. He'll bounce back from this. He's got the makings of a world-class player already at such a tender age.
0: Absolutely. Look, I mean, he probably should have scored as well, shouldn't he, that time when Pogba was sublime. He went by a couple of players, he rolled the ball to him and he tried to pick out the far corner. He'll be disappointed he didn't hit the target. Did bitter disappointment too, he didn't get on the score sheet. That will annoy someone like him because he does possess everything that you want from a modern day attacker, power, pace, skill. Um, as Steve said he can hit a shot. Um, he, listen, he's got it all. And if he comes on the market, even this summer, there's going to be a whole host of clubs who would love to have Kylian Mbappe in their squad. Still only 20, what is he? 21 now or 22, so he's still a young man, and he'll bounce back, there's no doubt he'll bounce back, but um, I thought even when he, in the second half, when they brought on Coleman I mean it was very attack minded you got Coleman on the left, you had Griezmann on the right, you would kind of him floating in and around Benzema, I mean that is a scary front four Um, but France have got to look at themselves too, and to give up two goals inside the last ten minutes it was like as if The French had never been in this position before, that they'd never actually gone to a major tournament, which they have, and won plenty of them. They should have been able to shut that game out, but they failed. So congratulations to Switzerland. They deserve to be in the quarterfinals.
1: By the way, if you're listening to this podcast and you watched Love Island instead last night, you are an absolute fool (laughs) uh, because you missed possibly the best night of Euros action ever. However, you might want to watch Love Island tonight because, of course, England versus Germany kicks off at 5pm this evening. Tuesday night, huge game at Wembley. We'll come on to that shortly. But next, here on Football Social Daily, another topsy-turvy last 16 game from last night to discuss as Croatia were beaten by Spain. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Looking at the Euros, of course, this crazy Euro 2020 tournament. We're in the thick of it now. We're in the knockout stages. We've already spoken about France's remarkable elimination to Switzerland last night in the last 16. There was another crazy game, too, between Croatia and Spain. It finished Croatia 3, Spain 5 after extra time. But that doesn't tell the whole story on face value because Croatia... They went 1-0 up in the game. Another bonkers game. This time, things beginning with a bizarre own goal. Unai Simon couldn't control a pass back, Steve. He just completely missed the ball. The ball bounced over his foot into the back of the net and Croatia took the lead. We've seen nine own goals in this Euros, which is as many as I think the last seven tournaments combined. It's remarkable. Yeah, I think it's...
2: I mean, I was was watching it... um... Last night, I mean, unfortunately, I could only see the first half because um, my son's, uh, my seven-year-old's football trainer is at six o'clock on a Monday night, and um, <laughs> I was watching it. And you know, when when you 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 watch him one of them situations, and you go, "Oh no!" You know when it, when it happens, um, <laughs> it's one of them that is gonna, unfortunately, through an nice simon, it's gonna be replayed and replayed throughout his whole career. Um, it was it was an own goal of of that magnitude, but listen. Um all good all good goalkeepers have done that, you know, in, in, in their careers. They've made howlers. Um I mean, I talk about mine and, and Leon's team, you know, Liverpool Allison's made a, mm. made a couple of howlers. Um, you know, in Premier League what about
1: games. About Karius, have you erased him from your memory? I don't. I, 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 uh, I, don't, I
2: don't know who that is. Are uh, you referring to? Um, you know, but incident, incidentally, as well, he, he's back. Uh, and I'm just digressing slightly, but he's back training with Liverpool now. You know, in pre-season because he's he's not got a club, and um, and he, he's come out and said that if he wasn't on loan last season, he would have been second choice at Liverpool and playing many more games. It's like, oh my god, uh, just total delusion. Gosh. But yeah, I think all you know goalkeepers are going to do that they're going to have these howlers they've all done it he'll get over it you know it wasn't it's not ended up costing Spain a game in the end and that which will be a massive sigh of relief for him and I think the own goals thing is it's just I mean I look at the, the Portugal Germany game where Ruben Diaz scored an own goal and Rafael Guerrero you know got an own goal as well and I just think that Sometimes I think with the modern footballs and and you know when when we were all play, I mean you still play Nile but I don't know about Leon but I certainly don't play anymore. Um, you know the balls were hev- heavier. You, you headed one of the footballs and you nearly knocked yourself out. You know doing it. Um, <laughs> the, these new um, Adidas balls that are, are being used in in World Cups and, and European Championships. That the light as a feather, um, you know, that the, the moving at such rapid pace from from the way that the crosses are coming in and the shots are coming in, um, I just think the, the, this ricochet effect that we're seeing um, and flying in off defenders and and all this stuff, I think that's just partly due to the uh, the technical. Um, uh, you know, properties they're using, really. I just think, yeah, that, that that's one of them. And I've said it before about players' ankles and stuff like that. I blame the modern football boots. But um, I think with this one, the ball flying round and it being the equivalent of like a flyaway used to be, um, <laughs> you
1: know, it's it's having a massive impact. They pump the balls up to within an inch of explosion as well. Um, they pump them up until they're rock hard. It's, it's really interesting you say that. For me, the craziest own goal was Martin Dubravka's own goal basically punching the ball into his own net for Slovakia which was just a crazy own goal but anyway Spain dragged themselves back into it with a couple of goals um well three goals in fact to make it 3-1 similar pattern to the France game so it transpired obviously this was the earlier kickoff but Croatia Leon two goals in the last five or so minutes to take it to extra time I mean Steve's touched upon why he thinks we're seeing so many own goals. Why do you think we're seeing so many late goals? Is it player fatigue at the end of what's been quite a long season for everyone? Um,
0: I think it's bad defending. Um, I think it boils down to that because even player fatigue, I mean, the standard of football in the two extra times was top drawer. So they didn't look to be that tired when they went past the 90-minute mark and had to play another half an hour. So I think it's bad defending. Personally speaking, I think just and sides are just throwing caution to the wind because they know that if they don't, they're out. And when it comes down to desperation time, which is what which is exactly what it was for both Croatia and Switzerland, both in the last 10 minutes, but particularly Croatia, they only had five minutes left on the clock and they just threw caution to the wind and they got their just rewards. But it's just, I mean, for me. You've got to look at both the French and the Spanish and say to yourself, where's your game management? Where is your act- actual tactical nous to be able to just close a game out? You've got to look too, in a way. I know Sissoko came on for Griezmann, but it didn't really seem to help the French. And then even when you look at kind of the two Spanish substitutions. Um, They brought on, wasn't it, uh, did Alba come on and was it uh, Ruiz came on? And then you're kind of saying to yourself, okay, so they're trying to tighten it up, but there was still plenty of gaps. So I would look at both sets of players on the pitch, not being able to just manage the clock. And it's very unusual that you see two big footballing nations that have been to the top in either World Cups or Euros in not the two distant past, that couldn't close out 3-1 leads. It's absolutely amazing how both of them were forced into extra time. As Steve said, the Spanish got over the line, so they won't care about it. But they've got to rectify that now going forward if they want to move on in this tournament.
1: Yeah, it must be a bit of complacency. I think you're right in terms of thinking that the The tie is secured, the passage to the next round is secured, done and dusted. And then to concede two late on. To concede one late on sometimes happens. You do see consolation goals and lapses in concentration. But to see both games... Go from 3-1 to 3-3 and then into extra time. It is it is quite something. I, mean, I think you're right. They're not quite the team they used to be, Spain. And that's something we touched upon on yesterday's podcast. Do you think they're anything to be fearful of, Steve? Do you still think Italy remain the favourites of the teams left in? Because, of course, France and Portugal and the Netherlands are all out now. I think, yeah, I think
2: Spain, um, even though individually they have some really good players in that team, I think... I mean, I don't know what the manager's, uh, you know, Luis Enrique is doing. I mean, I think you know, Tiago must have spat in his dinner or something. Um, you know, because he didn't even get on yesterday, did he? I don't think. Um, but uh, yeah, I just think that um, yeah, they're, they're not the Spain of the of old, and um, I think you know, there's that that quality is missing. I think if England were to ever come up against them, I think. On paper, you'd expect England to to beat a Spain that Spain team, um. But I think Spain have a habit, don't they, of going again and they unearth a load of gems, don't they? Pedri looks a right player, even though he. Obviously scored that unfortunate own goal yesterday. Um, but, you know, they'll go again and they'll be back because they're always there they're about Spain. For me, Italy, um, even though they, they weren't great the other night, um, in the group games, I thought they were sensational. Um, I thought they looked the, the real deal. And obviously against Austria, they had a tough time. But Austria are no mugs. You know, they're a half-decent side with, with some good players in there. And um, I do think that... Um, It'll be the the winner of tonight's game, Italy or Belgium, that that will do it. So it's pretty
1: obvious. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Obviously, I didn't even mention Belgium there in terms of favourites, which perhaps speaks volumes about their chances as well, kind of going about their business, and they are the number one ranked team in the world. We'll wait and see what happens tonight. Love to be able to discuss that game, but unfortunately we're not going to be able to because there's just been so much going on in the Euros uh, over the last 24 hours or so. Sticking with this Spain game though, obviously it was 3-3 and then Spain scored twice an extra time to uh, get that two-goal advantage back and eventually win the game, securing passage to the quarterfinals. Alvaro Morata scored Leon, and he says it sort of silenced his doubters. It was an excellent moment for him. He mentioned um, after the game about how his wife and his children entered the stadium in the last game, I think, that Spain played with Morata printed on the back of their shirts. Obviously, they're his loved ones, his family, and they got a little bit of abuse for it because some of the spanish don't really fancy morata as a striker obviously they're there to support their their dad and their husband etc cetera, etc cetera. so he really enjoyed scoring that goal it was a good moment for him because he has had a fair amount of stick
0: look he's had plenty of stick and i mean that's totally uncalled for on any kind of fan who starts giving a wife and kids any abuse because um they don't like the particular player i mean that's just nonsense and it's you know it's quite ridiculous but that's That's the type of kind of fans that are all around the world. It's not just kind of confined to a a Spanish international. But I was delighted for him. Um, It was a beautifully taken goal, um, in fairness to him, which put his country 4-3 up. Look, he's not the most prolific striker. It does take him quite a lot of chances before he gets on the score sheet. But the one thing I've been impressed with him is his work rate. And Enrique um, is sticking with him. And that can only help Maratta going into the quarterfinals. Now, he knows he's got a manager that believes in him. He knows that he's got a manager who's going to pick him. So maybe scoring that goal could be his turning point. I thought Ferran Torres was very good um, for Spain as well. And I know they took him off just before the end of the game, actually, to try and uh, close it up. He was taken off, I think, in the 88th or 89th minute. But to score... And the ball he put in for uh, Aspallaqueta, I thought was exceptional. So I think Ferran Torres has put himself into the starting lineup for the quarter final. And with Murata, and probably, I think Moreno has probably lost his place now in that first 11. Sarajevo started uh, yesterday. But I just, I was glad for Murata because I don't like to see any player. He's not missing on purpose, um, he's just not prolific. But that finish. Was a top-class finish and maybe just maybe that could be the turning point for him for the remainder of this tournament
1: yeah i don't personally think spain are anything to be fearful of but they do have something which is invaluable in these big tournaments and that's tournament experience experience of winning a euros experience of winning a world cup and even though none of those players who you know reached that achievement are in the squad It's certainly something that does filter down as the squad develops and changes over the years. So Spain through to the next round of the Euros. They're in the quarters after beating Croatia, who finished runners-up in England's group by five goals to three after extra time. As Steve rightly points out, Italy versus Belgium also tonight in the last 16 of Euro 2020. But that's not the game we're going to focus on next. We're going to look at the huge game at Wembley after this on Football Social Daily. It's England versus Germany. Welcome back to Sports Social's Football Social Daily. I'm Niall alongside me got Leon and Steve and it's time to talk about an old rivalry renewed England versus Germany Wembley 5pm promises to be a huge game not just because of the context of the rivalry but also the way that the tournament is panning out this could be a huge opportunity for England to go the distance and I know England fans say that every single tournament but honestly with the way that the pins are falling and teams being knocked out left right and centre that could pose a threat to the three lines it's certainly an opportunity for Gareth South and his players. We'll get on to that in a second. But firstly on this game Steve, England versus Germany. Do you think this sort of game means a little bit more to England than it does to Germany because there's plenty of history between the two teams in a footballing context?
2: I'm not sure in all honesty. Um I think Germany will have a multitude of reasons for wanting to win this game tonight. You know, Germany uh, have a mentality worthy go into each tournament worthy going to win it regardless of what team they're putting out or what what squad they've assembled. I think with England, you know, they're desperate to win a tournament. They've not done anything since Le uh, Tournois in uh, whenever that was. I think it was in nineteen ninety eight, wasn't it? Something or ninety seven, something like that. Um, obviously, I'm talking about you know the big one in nineteen sixty six as well. But we've had that. I mean, I say we. I'm not a huge England fan, as people know, but um, that's been rammed down our throats for for since since that time. Um, we've had um, remixes of um, Three Lions. We've had Vindaloo. Uh, we've had all that kind of. We've had all that England, um, you know, hype and 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 propaganda that comes with with them going into a tournament and the expectation and. The way the media are in this country, you know, with the England football team and how they get carried away. I mean, I can't stand the "it's coming home" thing. If I'm honest, it it drives me mad. Um, Just go to the football, you know, go and play the football, win games. If you're successful, happy days. But I think England will 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 be absolutely desperate to get through this tonight because they. I mean, let's be honest about it. You know, Belgium and Italy. You know, one of the favourites is going to go out tonight. They'll probably face the winner of that other game in, in the final I would have thought um, I mean I know anything can happen in football and it's not beyond the realms of possibility for someone like Denmark to end up putting England out in the quarterfinals. or I mean whoever England have got I don't even know who they'd have next really
1: or oh, it's uh, Sweden and Ukraine isn't it um, yeah so, but you just know, Steve, England beat Germany and then get knocked out by one of those two. It's the most English thing I've ever. Well, that's it. Yeah, and I just think that, um, yeah, it's tonight is it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's all about mentality tonight, and and England have got to be in the right place to win this game. I feel. Great word, mentality, because that's something the German team is basically built around. That is one of their core strengths. They've always got good players. They've always got the ability. And even though this is a slightly weaker German team than we're used to seeing over the years, they've always got that steel about them, haven't they, Leon? They're always a great tournament team. But in terms of quality and individual players, how strong are this Germany side? Is this a side you think England are better than pound for pound?
0: Um, I'd probably have to say yes, if they both played to their maximum capabilities, I think England would win. But when England played Germany, I think all that goes out out the window, personally speaking. There's just such a rivalry, such a history between the two countries. Um, It's probably the biggest, well, it's one of the biggest rivalries, I mean, I think in international football. Um, And I'm just looking at Germany. They've conceded quite a few goals um, in the group stages. I think their best form of defence is to attack. Because I actually don't believe that they're that solid at the back anymore. Um, I think they can be got at. I think Hummels, while he's got a great brain on him, I think the legs are not there anymore. Rudiger has had a really good season with uh, Chelsea. But I just think the best way of getting at the Germans is to try and get in behind them if you can. So... I think team selection tonight is just gonna be very, very interesting. What does Garrett Southgate do? Um, does he try and match up with the Germans and go with the three at the back and and play his two wing backs? Or does he stick to his kind of four-two, three-one formation, which for the first half an hour against the Czech Republic, it looked really exciting, really attacking. You had players on the football who wanted to drive at the opposition defense i'm talking about saka i'm talking about grealish sterling even harry kane he he looked to be more involved in that first half an hour and i think if you look at harry kane's tournament so far it hasn't been great by his high standards but i think the interchanging between sterling and grealish and saka it seemed to work for england but By all accounts, what I'm hearing and I'm sure what you guys are hearing over there is that Southgate is probably going to go with the three at the back. Now, if he does go with the three at the back, it only really leaves one attacking position, I believe, up for grabs because I think Sterling has to start. He's been your match winner for your two 1-0 victories. Harry Kane will most definitely start. And then you've only got one other position available because I think Phillips and Rice are both going to play. So... That doesn't, to me, leave an awful lot. And I think actually that could be negative for England's chances of progressing. I think this one, depending on team selection, this could be a long night again. But I don't think it's going to be a long night that's going to give us six goals in 90 minutes, anything but. I think this is going to be quite a low-scoring affair. England under Southgate are very pragmatic. They're very disciplined. Um, You do have to build your side with a good defence and keep clean sheets. But I just wonder, is Garrett going to miss a trick tonight if he doesn't go for it?
1: Yeah, his team selection has certainly been questioned throughout the tournament, Steve. Bukayo Saka started the game against the Czech Republic and looked very, very good. In fact, so much so that uh, Micah Richards said that he was undroppable for this game against Germany. If Leon's right, and I feel that he probably is, with Sterling and Kane getting those places, who fills the other spots in those forward lines for England? Because there's so many options: Grealish, Foden, and Saka has certainly played his way into contention. See, for me, I'm, um, I'm,
2: a, 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 if I if I was a gambling man, I'd go, I. I, I... I mean Sterling scored two goals, but I don't think he's he has been amazing um so far in the tournament. But when when you're scoring the goals, you're grabbing the headlines, aren't you? And um I'd like to go I'd like to see him go with Grealish and Foden either side of Harry Kane um tonight and, and, and really get at them. He won't do. He'll start with Raheem Sterling. Um, you know, and I think the other the other one will probably go to Phil Foden because he's got that ability to um, unlock defenses as he thread the pass and, and create a little bit of magic. When you look at the team that he's likely to go with, which you know, so we're talking Pickford in goal and obviously Walker Stones, Maguire as that three, um, and then Trippier and Shaw, and then he's got Rice and Phillips sat in the middle. There's there's no creativity there at all uh, in that. So that's why I think he probably leans towards Phil Foden um, in the hope that he can. Um, you know, have the freedom to create something exciting and and, and make something happen. Um, I think the um, the thing is with with England tonight that that isn't a team that's blessed with pace. Um, you know, I don't think any of our our three centre backs are, are, are excessively quick. Um, yeah, and I think you know Trippier and Shaw. Um, I'm not convinced on them too. I mean, probably Luke Shaw more than Trippier, in all honesty. But Rice and Phillips will be rock solid in the middle. Um, you know, it'll it'll be kind of um, you know, it won't be too um too jazzy. Um, it'll just be an efficiency. And and like Leon said before, it's going to be a low scoring game. This it's going to be attritional. This tonight, it's it, it's going to weigh heavy on one team towards the end of it. And it, that mentality that, that we mentioned earlier is going to be key in here because we cannot switch off at any point in this game because even though Germany have been indifferent. Um, you know, Kai Havertz is is key tonight because if he pulls these our centre backs out of position and allows Nabry and and Sane to get in behind, we're gonna we're gonna struggle. Um, and and that's where I'm at on it. Um, you know, I just think that it's gonna be really really tricky for England tonight, and I think that they can be confident, um, but Germany will find another gear for this game. And the good thing is, from an England point of view, is when we're talking about team selection, you're talking about the players that aren't getting on the pitch tonight. Um, so we're talking about Saka, you know, we're talking about Calvert Lewin, um, we're talking about Grealish. Uh, I mean, even the likes of you know Jordan Henderson in midfield, uh, Mason Mount, um, you know, people like that. Gareth has a wealth of options off the bench tonight as well. Um, my only hope. For it is that he just takes the handbrake break off England a little bit because I think, I mean I watched the Czech Republic game and it was really tough to watch it. You know it it, it wasn't a, a good watch and obviously we had Scotland on the on the Friday and the Croatia game, uh, the Sunday before that and I think that that's the only thing that concerns. I think tonight's going to be really hard work to you know to view it um, and and I just think that the result will be all that matters at the end of it and if it's positive, all will be forgiven. Yeah,
1: I think certainly as well, Serge is looking forward to the game tonight at Wembley because he says he always scores when he comes back to London, so he's feeling confident. Bit of team news when it comes to England, Ben Shilwell and Mason Mount, the two Chelsea players, have completed their isolation period after hugging Scotland midfielder Billy Gilmore, who of course contracted coronavirus, so both... Mount and Chilwell had to complete a mandatory period of isolation, despite the fact the rest of the Scotland squad didn't have to. Let's not get into that. Anyway, they've relinked up with the squad as of midnight today. So they are in contention and available for selection. Whether they will feature is another question. From a Germany perspective, Jürgen Löw confirms that both Robin Gersens and Antonia Rüdiger have been suffering from what he calls a mild cold. Um, Gundogan could also come in for Leon Goretzka. Uh, after Goretzka suffered a bang to the head against Hungary. Um, But as for Thomas Muller, he's absolutely fine to play and no concerns, says the Germany coach. So that's just a little bit of team news there, keeping you up to date. England have scored just twice in their three group games so far. We've kind of touched upon it already. Is that somewhat surprising, Leon, with the amount of attacking talent on the field? For instance, if we don't see Mount because of that Covid isolation period there's another attacking player who has an eye for goal who England won't be able to use Jaden Sancho has barely featured at all during the tournament he's a player who scored a decent amount of goals and assisted loads last season for Borussia Dortmund there's plenty of options there almost an embarrassment of riches at times
0: there is an embarrassment of riches, but I think if you look at the manager and his approach to the group games it doesn't surprise me that they haven't scored more goals no Because if you continue to play two holding midfielders, even when it's nil all against Scotland, and you don't even look as if you want to try and go and win the game with the substitution folding for Grealish, that that, that goes to tell you everything about Gareth Southgate. He is very conservative. And even the first 11 against the Czech Republic, his hand was forced because Mason Mount was taken out of the game. That's the only reason why we saw Grealish in Saka because Foden was on a yellow card, wasn't he? So he wanted to protect him as well. So I'm going back to Steve's point, actually, and it's a very good one. The lack of pace might just tip the balance in favour of Saka over Foden, because if you've got Saka and Sterling either side of Harry Kane, the one thing that both of those players possess in abundance is natural pace. And that could, in my opinion, worry the Germans. And... Um, it's going to be very interesting just to see what Garrett does. The bench will look very strong, but it's only strong if your manager is willing to take the shackles off. There's no point in having all these creative, attack-minded flair players on the bench if the manager is giving them instructions when they go on. Make sure you do your defensive duties as well because that's one of the things that Garrett Southgate has always harped on about. My attack players have got to get back and put in a shift. Um, I thought Saka was very good against the Czech Republics. And yes, he's only a young kid. But any time he's been put in by Southgate, he's never let him down. And if you look at the kind of embrace that Southgate gave him coming off the pitch against the Czechs, I think this kid might get the nod. I really do. I just think he's a kind of a... He's a wild card. But he's a wild card who's delivered when he's been picked. And I mean, I'm a huge fan of him. I'd love to see him at Liverpool because I think he's got the right foot. He's got a left foot. He can play in four or five different positions. This is a kid that is so talented, but so dedicated, comes across as a very humble guy whenever you hear him speak to the media. He really is a joy to watch. And you know what? He might have just put himself in pole position to grab one of these starting positions tonight. And and if he does... It's a massive game for him to really announce himself on the world stage. And there is times in these big tournaments when young kids take it by storm. And this could be Saka's night tonight. You just don't know.
1: It's a great point because no fear. When you're 19 years of age, I mean, you've got no pressure, no fear. If you don't perform, you're only 19. What do you expect? If you do perform, it's almost an absolute bonus and you just think back to England players that made their debuts as a teenager the way Michael Owen exploded onto the scene uh, was absolutely incredible as well and i'm not saying sack is going to have the same impact but certainly that fearless nature that sometimes young football players have can be an advantage in these knockout games No doubt this is a huge game, not just because of the rivalry, but in terms of the opportunity England have ahead of them as well. It could either be um, Sweden or Ukraine in the quarterfinals if England knock out Germany. Germany are obviously a great tournament side. France out, Portugal out, Netherlands out. So there are some great opportunities there for England. With Wembley being the venue, Steve, and that's been the case for the last three group stage games as well, it's effectively a home tournament for England. That doesn't come around very often. How big an advantage is that? And do you think that was one of the main factors for Southgate wanting to win the group, because that means that by winning the group, this last sixteen game is being played on home soil. Without without a doubt, you know, I think I think
2: what have they got in tonight? Forty-five thousand in Wembley tonight, haven't they? Which is largely going to be English England supporters. Um, I think it is a massive um, uh, advantage to them, and and it was um, a sensible decision to. You know, to try and win the group and, and face Germany at, at at Wembley, um, it'll be such a boost to them, lads, walking out having having a half, you know, fifty percent capacity Wembley, the cheering them on and getting behind them, um, and I just hope it has the desired impact tonight for them and 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 it helps them along. But yeah, it's uh, obviously I think it's sixty for the quarterfinals, isn't it? And then it it will be ninety for the final. Um, so you know, good times. We all want out of this. We want full stadiums again, and we want to be, um, you know, watching football come August uh, with all our own team stadiums full. And you know, and and it's a, and it's a step towards all that. So good news for England.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, huge game tonight. And if you fancy putting a few quid on, Boyle Sports have got a brilliant offer throughout the Euros on all England games. Take ten quid tonight on England against Germany, and if that bet loses, you'll get the stake refunded into your account in the form of a free bet. It's an offer worth taking advantage of and after 2 three threes in the last two knockout games in Euro 2020, maybe it's worth a little bit of bravery. Of course, it's 18 plus. T's and C's apply. Bet responsibly and be gamble aware. What do you reckon then, Leon? Where's the smart money tonight, Boyle Sports Offer? Obviously, you want to be a little bit brave because you've got that insurance policy of getting the money refunded to your account if the bet loses. But what would you be plumping for?
0: I'm going for England to win on penalties. (laughs) I I, I think this game is going to go all the way to the wire. No, and and the reason why I say it too is kind of not, I'm looking at it and I think the pressure of actually either of these sides, they just they don't want to lose. And look, I know every team doesn't want to lose, but if you understand where I'm getting at, it's like nobody, England or Germany don't want to get beaten by their rival. They just it's it's and that that fear of losing, that fear of being knocked out, especially as you guys have alluded to, the run, the path now has opened up to the final. It really really has for whoever wins this game tonight. They've got to be thinking to themselves we will not get a better chance of reaching a final of a major football tournament. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's no goals. I just really wouldn't. I think this game tonight is going to be very, very tough in terms of breaking either opponent down. And especially with Gareth playing the two holders, if he goes with the three at the back, he has built his foundations on keeping clean sheets. And that's what will be his number one goal again tonight is let's get another clean sheet. But the Germans are also very adapt. I know they haven't done it so far in the group stages, but they know now it's knockout. And they know now if they can keep a clean sheet, they'll actually feel confident, I would say, taking on England in a penalty shootout. But I just think Pickford, as a shot stopper, I think he's got a good chance in a penalty shootout. So for me, with the £10 no-lose bet, England to win on penalties at eight and a half to one. Because if they don't, you'll get your money back anyway as a free bet. But I wouldn't be surprised at all. There's been quite a bit of money placed on the draw in 90 minutes. It's come all the way in now to 11 to five. um, And people are looking at this as being a very cagey affair. I think it's going to be a long watch. It mightn't be pretty at times. I think there's going to be a lot of sideways passes, a lot of backwards passes. Both sides just have that fear that they really do not want to lose this one.
1: England on penalties. It's enough to up the heart rate of any Three Lions fans. (laughs) Uh, Of course, the latest odds you can find on the Boyle Sports app or boilsports.com odds were right at the time of recording the podcast but of course are liable to change well by this time tomorrow we'll know exactly what the score is in terms of uefa euro 2020 and england's position within that um i'll leave that there i think uh, the nerves are certainly started to, to increase uh, thanks so much leon i'm sure we'll be speaking to you as well uh more as the tournament rolls on and thank you very much steve where are you going to be taking the action in tonight steve for the england game Oh do you know what
2: this is this is gonna go down like a lead balloon but I um <laughs> Uh, I'll I watch the first half and then I obviously um, teach on a Tuesday and Thursday night at half six so I'll uh, I'll have to kind of scoot over to the gym and um, and get it set to my phone to see what's going on second <laughs> half um, and, and that's, that's the honesty of
1: it <laughs> So you're going to be watching England for the first 45 and then trying to hurt people for the second 45 <laughs> regarding what happens let's hope it doesn't go to penalties for your students sake Thanks so much everyone listening in to the podcast this is Football Social Daily from Sports Social Brent new Euros podcasts right through the week Monday to Friday so hit subscribe and that way you won't miss another episode but England versus Germany tonight we'll have all the reaction on tomorrow's podcast but that's it for today and we'll speak to you then
0: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa take it easy Judy <laughs>